Hi, I'm David Beaton, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better, all conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Doug Perry. I'm Gordon Henderson. Birthday boy, Doug Perry. Yes, 41 years young now, yesterday. My birthday was not ruined by East Fife, which is always nice. Oh, should have been. It should have been, yeah. You obviously don't care much about the team anymore then. (laughs) I care deeply, as we'll come to shortly. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're back. It's our special Armageddon edition, where we will pose the burning question. If there's a nuclear war, will we still get relegated? It's a very good question, Michael. Because if you think about it, a lot of the nuclear missiles are on the West Coast, the Barton's on the West Coast. It's the old breaking get-out clause. Mm. You can't get relegated if there's a global catastrophe. Yeah. Fingers crossed. (laughs) You heard it here first. Gordon's rooting for the global catastrophe. Yeah, you'll notice I said very little there. (laughs) Yeah, I, I didn't say what I was crossing my fingers for. To be fair, he just he just wants to avoid relegation <laughs> by any means necessary. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I guess we should also say at this point, you'll notice that Lee is not with us. He's currently building his bunker in Glenrothes, and he hopes that he will have that finished for next week. So fingers crossed, he can get that done in time. I thought he was going to Ukraine to volunteer. Is that what it is? Has he kept that quiet from us all? Could could be. Yeah, it's it's the two the two Klitschko's and Lee. On the front line. Well, I mean, to be fair, he's going to block a few tanks if he just stands in the road. <laughs> we will talk about the latest East Fife game. We'll look around League One. We'll chat about a few other things as well. But before we get into any of that, let's hear from this episode's sponsors. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. Today's podcast is brought to you by John W. Gilbertson Limited, a small, friendly, family firm of solicitors based in Glenrothes, who specialise in buying and selling residential property, wills, powers of attorney and executory work. On your team, on your side, supporting you all the way to achieve your goals. Well... It is a football show after all. Thanks as always to East Fife Community Football Club and John W. Gilbertson, solicitors from Glenrothes, for their continued support of the team. 
And it's a good support for East Fife through at Falkirk yesterday as we sadly fell to another defeat. But I've watched the highlights. You two guys were at the game. We are three quarters of the way through the season now. And East Fife still sitting adrift at the, the foot of the League One table. Looking at it doesn't make pleasant reading. Seven points now adrift off Dumbarton. You guys were at the game yesterday. Let's start with, with Doug. It didn't ruin your birthday, you said. From from watching the highlights, good performance, from reading the comments online. What what was the biggest robbery yesterday? East Fife not getting a point from that game or Josh Taylor holding on to his four belts? Oh, well, that was an absolute shocker. Uh, I'm no uh, boxing fan, but even even I was absolutely gobsmacked by that. That was interesting. Um honestly, of the, all the games I've seen this season, that's the best we've played for me. I thought we were excellent and it was really gutting to lose that game. I just thought, it's very hard to fault anyone, really. Mm-hmm. I just thought we played really well, brave on the ball, took the game to Falkirk, second half, better team, having gone a goal down. I just thought we were really good and just a really good delivery corner. Free header, sadly, which one will we come to? Mm. And then the world's softest penalty makes it seem like a comfortable victory. But I thought we were very good. Yeah, anyone looking at that scoreline is going to think, oh, yes, they beat the bottom team, uh, comfortable victory. But watching that that game, Gordon, I mean, you saw when that second goal in, the, the players just looked devastated. And we've talked about it the fight that they've shown the last few weeks, they don't let their heads go down. They go a goal down. They don't They don't suddenly just think, oh, well, that's it over. They fought back so well. And you, you kind of wonder what psychologically losing, what could still have been a vital point at the, the end of the day so late on, what that might do to them now. Yeah, I mean, I suppose situations like that, you can, you can maybe let that get to you a little bit. I would hope not, because I would hope that you know the message they're getting from uh, Crawford and the management team is that you know that that was a really good performance. Now you know you call it unlucky, you call it kind of small margins or whatever, but that you know they did they did well. You know they were they were clapped off the pitch. They can kind of hold their heads up uh, after that performance, and that's more of what we need. You know, on another day we would have we would have won that game. You know, on the balance of play, we really should have. So I don't think, you know, hopefully they don't get too down about it. They can kind of brush it off um, because, yeah, performances like that, you know, and we have talked in the past, you know, losing games and the performances have been really bad. And, you know, that's, it's sort of tough to take. But what the way we lost the game yesterday was tough. But I think I think most people would have walked out the ground you know, feeling quite positive towards the performance and feeling quite proud of the team for the way that they played. Um, it was just a bit of a bit of a gut punch at the end, really. I mean, we should have been up. We should have been we should have been ahead uh, going into those final few yeah. minutes, really. There were certainly chances. I, I mean, this can work one of two ways. It can either like just be a, a devastating blow psychologically, or it can light a fire under them. Because they'd be like, we, we went toe to toe with Falkirk. They're a full time team. They've got some big players in there. We we can we can do this. We can still save our season. And it is looking bleak. 
the the game yesterday between Dumbarton and Peterhead, it kind of feels that maybe with Peterhead getting that win, having the game in hand, eighth might even be out of the question. We're only really maybe looking at Dumbarton now. Is that how you feel, Doug? Uh, oh, y- yes, I would say. But as we kind of mentioned a while ago, if, and it's a massive if now, that we can sneak ninth, we're going to be going into it in a bit of form, I think. Mm-hmm. So there's, I don't I don't think, right now, if you said we finished ninth, I don't think I would hugely fear the playoffs, to be honest. Um, no. It would but, feel like a big victory if we even got to that point. Like even if even if we didn't absolutely. make it through the playoffs, it's like you'd be feeling like to to get out of the hole that we've got in. Because all I we want to see well, just now is some fight, and I think they'll go down fighting if they go down. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Crawford's interview after the game in terms of you know the substitutions they made were in effect to try and win the game. Right now, between getting one point and nothing, it's not that big a deal because our goal difference is so bad. Mm. If we're six points behind, we're effectively seven anyway. So it's really three win turnaround that we're in that situation at the moment. So, I, I mean, I'd much rather we went in a game land and try and hang on for the last 20 minutes and then lose a goal. And because it, it, But the fact we went for it was positive, definitely, because there's no way we'd have been in a position to do that, you know, eight, nine weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, I, I read some interesting comments, Gordon, that... People weren't happy with some people weren't happy with the substitutions. They felt it killed the momentum a little bit. Um, I've not seen anybody saying that. I, I can I can understand it because there was. I mean, it felt like we did had quite a lot of subs in a, a pretty short space of time. But you know, I'd, I haven't listened to Crawford's interview. But if that was the that was the reasoning behind it, um, I'm all for that. I think I I thought the same thing at the game yesterday. You know. You look. There's too many times you look at a game and you go, a point would be a decent result. And in isolation, yeah, going to Falkland and getting a point, decent result. But I agree with Doug that we need we need wins. We absolutely need wins. And I'd rather go for the win and lose the draw than, than kind of sit in and, and take the point. Um, and I think sometimes against full-time teams as well, you kind of forget that they're going to have that advantage later on. So... Yeah, yeah, I fresh, think you do need the fresh legs. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm just reading one of the the comments here, just in one of the groups that I'm in. Um, and it just taking off Connell and Wallace killed the game and that by making so many subs, you're changing half your team. But you do need fresh legs. I, I, I think, I mean, I would imagine Wallace and Connell, who put in a hell of a shift, Wallace especially, would have probably been absolutely knackered. Mm. Uh, what and was he's just back from an injury as well, you've got to remember. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think what you've got to remember as well is that Kevin Smith came on and within a minute picked up an injury that I think normally would have forced him off. But yep. we didn't have any subs left. So he kind of battled through. So really, we were effectively down to 10 men without you know, the last 10 minutes, which was a bit of a shame. But look, you've... You, we talk about the importance of trying to get a fit Danny Swanson. If he's going to get fit, he needs to come on and play some minutes. Yeah. I thought um, Jack Healy was excellent and really good when he came on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as I say, I think the Wallace thing, you're right, he's, he's not long back from injury. 
you know, we've got we've got plenty of other games to go. And at the time, we were doing well and, and went for it. And so, some stubs are going to be perfect and some you're going to question just because the game didn't work out. If, if Kevin Smith had scored the winner, everyone would, would be saying it was a genius move. So it's it's very difficult for management, but I, I think I was okay with it, decisions-wise. Let's delve into the game then. I mean, the early going, Falkirk certainly had the, the way better of the, the early possession, at least from from what the Falkirk TV highlights showed. As I said, I like to watch the away team's highlights just to kind of see what they're saying about the team and stuff. And Martin Rennie's interview afterwards I'll talk about as well because that was... He's clearly feeling the pressure. But anyway, we'll, we'll come to that just now. But yeah, I mean, the early going, it seemed all Falkirk. And then they took the lead in the 16th minute. McGuffey into the bottom corner... Could you have done better on that? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I think looking at looking at the the highlights, potentially yeah, it was a very good strike. Um, and I think something Doug mentioned at the game is that it didn't look like Jude really got the full extension of his arm there. And I think looking back on our highlights, it does look a little bit like that. I think. I mean, it was it was a very good strike, and it went right into that bottom corner. Um, I think it's one where I, I wouldn't look at it as necessarily, you know, a goalkeeping gaff or anything, but it's probably one where he would look back on it and think, yeah, I could have, I could potentially have got that. Um, I think, you know, th- looking at the highlights as well, there was obviously a wee bit of a sort of, you know, Wallace and Mercer got in each other's way a little mm. bit and that, that gave McGuffey the space. Now, weirdly enough, that was happening quite a lot yesterday. There's a lot of times where two East Fife players were you know, running into each other, got in each other's way. And I don't know if it was just a bit of sort of over-eagerness, but the first half especially, that was happening a lot. Um, and I think I would probably, you know, maybe it is just down to a bit, you know, being a bit over-eager and having too much kind of energy and wanting to go for everything, which which is good to see. But for that goal, I think I would I'd probably have put the mistake there more than Jude Smith it, it didn't like I, it was a well struck ball but it didn't seem to have a lot of pace on it it wasn't like a rocket I felt that went into the, the bottom corner I don't know as well if Jude maybe was a bit his view was blocked and saw it late and that was part of the reason but I, I think my I think my shout of the game was it felt like Jude had almost pulled his arm away as if to say I've got it covered. It's going wide, and I, I'm looking mm-hmm. at the highlights. I'm kind of more inclined to think that's the case because I think it, it kind of felt like it was there. It, we were right behind it. It was a pretty good strike. I mean, it, it was you're talking right off the inside of the post. You can't, you know, place it any better than that. But I, I, I would think Jude will be a little disappointed. But I'm not. I don't think it's a. It, you know, it's not massive criticism to be totally honest. I no. felt the problem we had in that first twenty was down there left or right. We we just never got close enough to them and let them cross the ball in quite a lot. I think Mercer could have done with getting a bit tighter at times and especially with the goal. Um, but then he'd had that head knock. I don't know whether, you know, a lot was to do with that possibly. Um, but I think more importantly was the response to going behind was actually very good. Yeah, because much like the Aloha game, we kind of started slow and then 
got our foot in and then kind of took over the rest of the half. We seem to start a bit slower away from home and then we come out in the front foot more at home. And I understand why, because obviously you are away from home and our away records is just atrocious for the, the the last couple of seasons. But that's something I think they need to kind of work on. With the pressure that Falkirk had, they probably should have had more than one goal if they had turned that into decent chances. But then we kind of we kind of took over the game as well. And then we got back level, 25th minute. For me, one of the, the best goals of the season because of the team aspect of it. You've got Connell breaking through the middle. Great to see that he, he looked up, didn't try and do it all himself, played it out to Watson on the right, and the ball in from Watson was absolutely fantastic, and it was met by Wallace, who just buried it with a, a great finish as well. The link-up from the three of them and just a quick movement, I definitely feel that's one of our best goals that we've scored this year. Yeah, agreed. I think at the was we were at the behind the goals at the opposite end, so you don't get a great uh, view of what's happening, you know, up the other end of the park. But watching it in the highlights, it was fantastic, and it happened kind of so quickly as well. Um, like you said, um, Connell, Watson, Wallace, absolutely brilliant from the three of them. And even before that, I think um, I think Miller had kind of won the ball just outside our box. Blair comes, moves it on to Connell. Just as a move, it was fantastic. And, you know, as a sort of quick counter-attacking team goal, it was very, very good. Very, very difficult to defend against. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of goal that we... Not we should score that kind of goal more often, but we've got the players to do that, I think. And, it, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned Miller because it was a crunching tackle he put in. And then yeah. he flipped it in and Blair sort of passed it to Connell. But, um, yeah, no, look, it was... It was a quick break and they couldn't really handle it. And yeah, great ball in. And on his weaker foot, it was a hell of a finish. From, I mean, from obviously, good. you don't want to be soaking up the, the the pressure too much. But if we've got players that can transition that quickly, we've got to capitalise on that and try and do that more. Because Falkirk were all at sea there. And in the post-game thing, Martin Rennie was talking about, it was he admitted it was a great finish and a great ball in but not happy with their defending. And if that had been the reverse, you'd be fuming at leaving a guy like Wallace wide open to to finish that. But they were just caught out by the pace. So we've got that pace, so we need to use it. And this, against a full-time team to do that as well, I thought was excellent. And then we were strong for the rest of the half. And then we had that chance, who I haven't actually jotted down who it was, but like two minutes before half-time, Blasted over the bar, Connell. Yeah. Connell. Yeah, that was a great chance. Yeah, especially seeing it again on the highlights. Yeah, up at the other end, you're like, oh, that was a really, really good chance. The, even the Falkirk commentator was like, that should have been buried. That should have been in the back of the net. And it's it's those small margins, the fine lines of like, what would that have done? Going in up at, at the half, it would have force Falkirk to come out more, maybe left more space for our quick guys to to do it. But the second half, we took the game to them. And then Denham had that absolutely fantastic shot that rattled off the bar. So I guess that was the goal that you guys were behind? Mm. Yeah. yeah. How did it look then from behind the goal? Cause uh, it was funny because like... I, I, was, I was sitting next to my brother and I think it was one of those who took it and I just went, I just hit it. And one of the, you know, almost tongue in cheek, like, ah, I just hit it. And we were again right behind it. So it was like, oh, 
it was a hell of a, it was a hell of a strike. Um, but the way we started the second half was awesome. Like it was really good because normally you'd expect them to regroup a wee bit and maybe take a bit more control. But it was the complete opposite. And like I said at the start, we were so brave on the ball. Like we played proper football. It wasn't like you know almost they played risky passes that you maybe wouldn't normally do when you're struggling and we just looked we looked a really confident team which seems mm. ridiculous in the position we're in no i think that's that's what crawford has instilled in this team and getting these results i know it's been a lot of draws but getting these results obviously our streak is now over but we can start another one hopefully next week but it, it gives us confidence if we can go to falkirk and play like that and I know Falkirk aren't world beaters just now and they're kind of struggling, but they are also fighting to get into the playoffs and they've got a lot of good talent there. And we made them look so average. And it's just the little breaks that we didn't get. And I don't think we were in danger at any point of losing that point until the last minute when it just all caved in. And that corner... We touched on it at the start. Pinpoint delivery, free header for Paul Watson in the six-yard box. Yeah, you can say horrible marking or whatever. It was, I guess, good movement by Watson and it was a great delivery. But just, you saw the deflation. And it, you described it as a gut punch, Gordon. And it's like, just such a horrible way to lose a game. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I totally agree. I think especially the second half. You know, you just you just it's one one, so you know there's always there's always the chance to, to lose it, but you felt almost as confident as you could be at one one. And I know Falkirk have not been brilliant this season, but I think there's still a little bit of that thing of, you know, when you're going there you think, Oh, that's gonna be a tough game and they're full time and you're gonna to have to kinda of, hold on and ride it out a wee bit. And I think to go there and outplay them and be so confident against them and make them look very, very average or poor, um, yeah, to, to kind of lose it in that way and, 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 it, and it being the classic, you know, free header for a corner. I think, you know, the, the, the fans, the, the players will be as frustrated with that as, as anyone because they'll know themselves that's a... You know, it's it's a bit. It has been a bit of a weak point, and we have been improving on it. But for that to kind of rear its head again and kind of undo the good work, I think would, you know, must have been incredibly frustrating for them as it was for us. Well, even more frustrating is when you look at it and how many East Five players are around him. Yeah, and the one place it could have gone that wouldn't have met an East Five head was exactly where it went. Yeah, I, d- I don't. Came... I mean, looking at back on the highlights. I... I don't even know who it was. I, I watched that a couple of times because I think Dunlop had a man. And yeah, I, I couldn't work out who'd lost him either. Yeah. It, I think it's he, one of those. It, it's one of those deliveries in swinging at proper pace. It's very hard to defend. I mean, all I, I know it was a it was a fairly simple header in the end, but all that takes is a little flick off a Falkirk head, and it's in. You know, Jude can't come for that. I don't think it pay, that no. sort of pace really. Well, it was a, a swirling wind as well, so you didn't even know yeah. where it was going it was to go. A, if you come out, it could have gone over his head and into the back of the net as well. It was the only bit of class that Griffiths produced all game. I thought he was awful. Mm. And and yeah. I, I, I put a wee thing on uh, Pine Bovril to the Falkirk fans saying, to me, he looked so uninterested. 
like no real effort, just did the usual sort of came short to try and get the ball and then lay it off in a couple of shots from 25, 30 yards. But yeah, when you're paying them 1500 quid a week, geez, are you? I was going to ask about Griffiths because from watching the highlights, it felt he was playing really deep. Mm. And it's like, surely that's not the best way to utilise a guy like Lee Griffiths because they showed a couple of his long range shots. And every time I saw him on the highlights, he was he was back. So was he dropping back or was that where he was meant to be playing? I think it was maybe just, you know, I think that's something I picked up as well, that how deep he was playing. And, mo- you know, most of the time he had the ball, it was kind of, um, you know, kind of sitting in front of us a bit quite deep. And then he's just he just had to kind of lay it off wide or something. And I, I kind of wonder if that was just a bit of a, a side effect to them not really being in as control of the game as they thought they would be. Um you know, especially as the game went on, I think he was just having to come deeper to kind of be involved. But I agree, apart for, I mean, up until his delivery for the corner, there really wasn't much from him at all. Um, and yeah, he wasn't wasn't really getting involved too much in, in dangerous areas. And he looked ah, not worth what they're paying for him. Yeah. Interestingly, Rennie, after the game, he was asked about Griffiths and the guy's like, oh, a goal and an an assist, that's why you've kind of brought him in. And Rennie, because obviously having had him here for two years, I know Rennie speak and like what he's like reading through it because he's a bit of a salesman because that was his job before he got into football management. He did sales. And in his media interviews, he's always a kind of salesman. So he was like, Sometimes you've got a player and you think you should maybe take him off. But these are the kind of guys that in the 89th or 90th minute, they they suddenly pop up and get that goal that's crucial for you. So basically, he's like, yeah, he was shit. And then he just did this last thing in the last minute or so and he got us a point. Easy to sound wise in hindsight. eh? Yeah. I I knew he was going to do this. I left him on. I think what was really frustrating was the the fans had turned on them just before, the, you know, with about four or five minutes to go because he took off McGuffey, who was, I thought, they're probably their best player. And obviously the crowd started booing and the Seb Ross or whatever it was came on. Oh. And you thought, oh, here we go, here we go. You know, if we can just get in our, a wee bit of pressure on now, the, the fans are really going to turn. But obviously it didn't work out that way. Now, that is very interesting because it's a five-minute interview in Falkirk TV and for a big chunk of it, he's talking about the fans, how behind the team they are, and it was great to hear them today. So I didn't know they were booing till you've oh, just said boo. that. Big, big Because I was like, he knows he's under pressure, and I've read stuff online, folk already want him out, and I thought, oh, he's trying to get the fans on his side. But he was like, oh, they were behind us. He said, this is, this is how you lift the team. They lifted the team over the line today, and all this nonsense. It's, it's yeah. funny because... But if you look at the two teams really challenging for fourth, both sets of fans have this real feeling of righteousness that their club should definitely not be languishing in League One. But I I must say, you think Falkirk fans have maybe got a little bit more uh, right to say that? I think. I mean, they're set up. It's a great stadium. They're paying players a fortune. You know, on paper, they're, they're a pretty good team. And not, Queen's Park, on the other hand, are a team who've languished in the bottom division for a long time and come up. And it's yeah, they've just got some money man behind them. And 
Yeah, but I think for if you're a Falkirk fan, this has been quite a few years now of yeah. real turgid rubbish, and, and you know, and you finally, you finally get rid of their uh, Gary Holt and uh, Sheeran Dream Team that came in, and you th- and then just a strange appointment, really yeah. strange appointment, a guy who doesn't have a clue about that sort of level of football, really. Um, so I, I get it from them, but you, but for him to say they were behind the team the whole game is definitely incorrect. There was another good bit in the interview where the, the interviewer says, oh, so the players went off the tunnel with smiles on their faces today. He said, that, that's that been a rare thing to see here. And Rennie's like, well, we beat we beat Alawa a couple of weeks ago. I think they were smiling that day as well. <laughs> Struggling. Mm. But <laughs> then at the end, again, he just pleaded for the fans to get behind the team. So he knows the pressure that he's under. And it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see if he can get them into the playoffs. It, it's difficult for him though because he's come in. He's come in with only one place to go for really. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think they were ever hugely in danger of catching the top three. So it's it was a bit. I mean, I know he's a Falkirk guy, so it's probably a no brainer, but not the easiest job to take over. To be totally honest, no, and level in points now. Queen's Park, they lost 1-0 against Montrose yesterday who's the team that we're playing next week we'll get into that in a sec let's let's continue the Lee Griffiths chat then, won a penalty scored a penalty oh I mean the, the, the if you watch the, the penalty incident back in the highlights, it is a disgraceful die I mean you know it's not, it's not the most disgraceful thing Lee Griffiths has ever done but it was <laughs> It was pretty bad. Oh, I mean, I mean, Mur- I mean, I was. It was Murdoch. I mean, Murdoch's kind of standing there, and Griffiths just runs past him, hooks his left leg round Murdoch's leg, and then sort of falls over in installments. And because the the ref was looking right at it, I know, didn't give a penalty. And then about two seconds later, I was like, mm, no, it is a penalty. Apparently, the ah. linesman had his flag up for it being a penalty. I, I think. I think for me, the worst bit was I'm not convinced that. Griffiths overly appealed for it. No, no. I, I like. I genuinely don't know that he dived. I think he just fell over. Maybe it was yeah, a dive. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving him too much credit here. But I mean, the only the only thing for me is, look, there was five seconds to go or something. It really didn't make a difference. I don't yeah. think. I mean, there was probably like the like four. Touches. Yeah, there was like four touches after the penalty, and it was full time. So I think. I mean, certainly the seed. On the East Fife commentary was incredible. Oh, oh yeah, I haven't watched. I've heard about this. I haven't watched it yet. I'll have to watch this. I think. Um, I think that a little bit of calm was required, really, in the situation. It it didn't make any difference to the result. But that that, that one goal second. could be the difference between us staying up and going down. No, I mean, if that no, if that I, goal was the second goal, you'd walk out that stadium a fucking raging. Oh, because it was the third. It's like, nah, yeah. you know. It was almost. I, I almost. Because even from where we were, which was the other end, it looked like a comedy penalty award, and you kind of we just kind of laughed it off. It was one of these things. I think um, we'll maybe come on to it later. But my, what I said right at the end of last week's show is is getting to me a bit more and more about if we'd acted a few weeks mm-hmm. before when everyone was saying we should have acted, we'd have a much better chance to stay up because Crawford is really turning this round now. But he's going. He would have had a better chance to look at what he had and then plan for the window and maybe get some people in in the window. And we're we're just running out of road now. You know, we're playing well, but 
there's not enough games really. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that for me the board will be a little more nervous the fact that if we if we if we do go down and just you know maybe by two three points or something there'll be more questions asked for me. Yeah, the closer it is, the more pressure it is going to be on them. Like just now, it's still such a big gap that you're like, ah, maybe it wouldn't have made any difference. But we've talked about these big games that's coming up. If we get seven, nine points from the th- three games after this Montrose game, then it's getting interesting. And I know it's still looking far-fetched. And it's certainly, a, if they get out of this, it's going to be a miraculous escape. Let's be, be oh, totally yeah. honest. We want to try and keep hopeful because if not, it's just going to be, as I said, depressing couple of months doing this show. So we, we're maybe being more optimistic than if we really sat down and were honest that we probably are. I think we probably so, all know that we're down. I, I, I did like a little bit of working things out, right? So let's say we've got nine games left. We play mm. every every team in the league. Let's say we get 15 points. Now that's winning five out of nine games. 15 points in a quarter is a really good return. And we've come nowhere close to that so far this season. If we get 15 points, then all Dumbarton need, you know, it's a bit of a, if we could lock that in right now, it, you know, Dumbarton would have a target to hit. But if they get nine points, they've got more points than us. You know I mean? That's, we, if, even if we do really, really well and get 15 points out of that quarter, Dumbarton just need to hit a fairly modest target and they'd be safe. I mean, I think, we are relying I think on... Yeah, Mass, I think what's good for me is that, I hope I've got this right, after the Montrose game, which I think we'd probably all say anything would be a bonus again, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's Dumbarton at home. Dumbarton yep. at home. That, that is away. absolutely so, massive. It is, but also I'm glad that it's the first of those three. Mm. Because if you win that, you know, it's not like it's not like you know being Aloha away. You win, and then you look at the results other way. And Dumbarton have won. You're like, oh well, it's not gained us anything. You know for a fact you're getting that to potentially four points. You know, yeah. maybe so, even better, it might be three or something. You know, you, and then you're like, right, here we go. And the momentum that would give for those two other very winnable games. Yeah. Well, even massive. the one after I mean, that, you're at home to Airdrie, and you would have to think our home form could. Get us something from that very if we, easily. If we get if we get seven or nine points out of those three, you know those three key games, then you you go into that Airdrie game at home. No matter how they're playing, you go into it with a bit of confidence, and you would go into that game thinking, right, aye, it's Airdrie, they're at the top of the league, but we're at home. I mean, those so aye, Montrose, Montrose the way it's like, yeah, anything great. But then you've got those three games, and like you say, the, the best ones first. If you can win that one, you know you just you just want to be taking that into those those two games after that. Now we'll know at, at the end of that Aloha game, you know if we pick up three or four points for those three games, we're done. If we can go into it and pick up at least seven points, then you know at least you know you're it's one game at a time. If you can keep that going, you've got a chance. But you know, that's what it's down to now. I think what's funny though is we've been here before. We've had, you know, we, we we've had the exact same conversation last time when we had these three games in a row. But this is different now because we're actually we look like a team that are on the verge of being good. And I I would if we play like we did yesterday in every game between now and the end of the season, 
I still think we'd maybe come up short, but we'd be very close, very close. So that's that's the big difference. I mean, we're not we're not shipping goals at an alarming rate. We're starting to create a few more chances. We just need that little bit of change in front of goal where we start. You know, Connell could do with a goal. Get get some confidence going, and we've we've got a chance, but it's small. So I mean, there's a lot of positives to to take from that game yesterday, despite the defeat. Let's get to the three two ones. Let's start this week with Gordon. Thank God. <laughs> I'm really struggling with this one. I feel like for good reasons. Up, yeah, anytime I'm, I come up with any combination, I'm always like, oh no, that's not right. Because, but anyway, I'll go for it. Um, three points, Kieran Miller. Uh, really, really good. Just you know, the same as he's been for a good few weeks now. Just into everything, snapping at their whole midfield. Just brilliant. Uh, two. Points Ross Dunlop again. He's been good for a good few weeks. I thought he put in a really good performance yesterday. There was a bit in the, I think the second half where he went to ground and then won two tackles from the ground. So I guess two points for that. And one point Danny Denham thought he had a really good game. Again, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. Um, almost scored a world day. So he gets a point. Uh, Jesus, I've got um, I've got seven names written down, and I actually could probably make a case for all of them to get three points. But well, let, so, let's do a seven five seven six five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, six point. Um, uh, three points. I'm going to go Ross Dunlop. I thought he was very good again. Um, just like Gordon said, he read the game so well. Like it was a couple of times they got in behind our uh, Higgins through a good ball and he was, you know, read it early enough to come across and cut it out. It was just really good. Two points I've gone for Stuart Murdoch, who was playing left back and I thought was very good. Uh, just great to have him back. Just what a solid defender he is. Very little gets by him. And, you know, the only problem with him playing left back is he's very right footed. So that you could see most of the time he would get it and need to sort of play it inside or, you know, which made a big difference. Uh, oh, God. One, I'll go Kieran Miller. And I'll tell you the other names I've written down. I thought Ryan Blair first half was class. Really, really good. And we've said that a couple of times where we drifted out a wee bit. At halftime, he'd have got three points. He's ended with none. Uh, Ryan Wallace was very good. Danny Denham was excellent and I thought even Chris Higgins was very good um, and Jack Healy was very good when he came on without that end product again but he he does actually look a proper player and I think for me oh I mean Dan Watson's cross for the goal was really good but I think he'd be the only guy at the team yesterday maybe Mercer as well where I would say wasn't great wasn't very good I just don't see what Darren Watson brings to us. I honestly don't. I don't. I obviously, he's a young kid, and you don't want to kind of dig him out or whatever. But I just, I don't know. I, I don't feel like he's quick, but I just don't know. He doesn't seem to want to take a guy on very much. It's a, he's a, he's a strange one for me. And I think, I think Healy deserves a chance now. From the I think when you, when you saw that you saw the difference when Healy came on, and um, you know we we were ripping him apart down that side. Now even if he didn't have the end product all of the time. 
you know, it, looked, it was panic stations down that Falkirk left as soon as Healy came on. And like you say, I think it does... I mean, maybe they were playing slightly different sort of positions, had slightly different roles, but it did sort of highlight the difference between having Healy down that, that side and having kind of Watson as your main attacking threat. I thought Healy, again, he came on as a sub and, you know, he's maybe up against more tired legs when the game's a bit open, but it really, Healy was fantastic. Um, and, you know, there was one, he had one cut, but he, he was getting into good positions and then not really making the final cross or the final pass, but there was one in particular he made a really good cut back and we were pretty unlucky not to, yeah. not to get a clear shot from it. I think the only thing would be is that the boy Steve's at Montrose is probably the best left back in the league maybe for me. So it's not, he might not get too much change out of him, but, it, you know, it, it, although... He's a very good sub to bring on, to be fair. I, yeah. I still think that's, right now, our best use for him. And as I said last yeah. week, we have to be in a game at that point for it to to actually be beneficial, but we have been. It's like we're not going behind. I was going to ask you guys, the starting lineup yesterday, how much change would you want to see in that going forward? Obviously, there's Danny Swanson. I don't know when he's ever going to be up to the, the level to start. But if he was, who does he come in for? Who do you drop out of that team? And I, I read a lot of folk wanting Healy to start. Is there any other changes you would make? Or that team yesterday, is that pretty much the team that you think Crawford needs to maybe go with for the next batch of crucial games? I think it's largely the team that you'd go with. I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure the exact formation we were playing mm. yesterday. I thought we were maybe starting with a... With a a three, but then it's maybe we changed to a four. I'm not sure, but in terms of personnel, um, yeah, I think there's there's not many, there's not too many obvious ones. I agree, maybe maybe Watson um, and and Mercer. I think are maybe the two where you know I'd I'd maybe look to make a kind of change. I think Miller and Blair work very very well as the two centre mids. Um, you know, obviously up front, you know, you've got Wallace and Connell and we've talked about whether Healy should feature a bit more. And I understand understand going with the two guys that are a bit more experienced and a bit more proven. I think you, you can try things out up there. I mean, maybe Montrose isn't the game, but maybe at Dumbarton, you might, you might maybe pencil that one in as one that Healy could start. Um, but obviously Murdoch's back now. Um, I think that's a that's a big big boost for us, but I think it's largely. I don't think there's too many obvious changes to make. Ryan Wallace, is he getting back to his best? He's looked pretty good the last couple of games. He's still obviously got a better way to go to the Ryan Wallace we had before, but is he getting there? Yeah, de- definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, his his hold up play was good yesterday again, and I think. I think the game that kind of brought him back to being decent again was Alaba, and it was probably because he was unselfish, which is what my often my problem with Ryan Wallace is. He, whether he thinks he's better, I don't know, but he's got that real selfish streak, which is good for a striker in certain ways, but you can overdo it and try and you know try and do your thing too often. But as I say, his hold-up play again yesterday was very good, linked up really well puts in a shift. 
Um, and maybe he's just starting to believe in it, the whole thing again. You know, I, I think maybe those first two or three games back, we were pretty rank, you know, and he's maybe he's maybe thinking, you know, what have I come back to? What's the waste of time? But there's maybe that little bit more belief now that this team might be able to pull us off and he, he you know, maybe wants to be a bit more of a part of it. But, um, going back to the team selection thing, I think it depends who you're playing. I would be very surprised if there's much in the way of change next week at Montrose. Swanson doesn't quite look fit, but obviously he's getting there, so I don't think it would be a game to start him in because you need that industry in midfield, I think, that Blair and Miller give you. And if, if he's playing up in that three, does Swanson replace Kyle uh, Connell or Wallace? No, would be my answer. Um, and you need that pace whether it's Healy or, or Watson to kind of counter-attack or whatnot. So I'm kind of like regarding if it's if it's a home game against Dumbarton, maybe that's a game to say, right, we're, we're going all out to to really take them apart and be on the front foot. But we shall wait and see. A nice, uh, a nice quandary to have. Mm. Yeah, after all the injuries that we, we've been played with this year, the, the lower league loan transfer window... It closes on Monday, the 28th of February. We're recording this on, on Sunday night. Inbury Evening News linked us with Hearts teenage midfielder, attacking midfielder Finlay Pollock. Apparently there's a few other clubs in for him as well. Would you want to make some additions just now? Do you think what we've got is enough to, to see out the season? Or if we were going to add some guys, ideally where would you want to, to strengthen the team right now? I, I mean, for me, I would not bring anyone in because I, I, we're playing. We are playing well, and we're on a good run. Albeit we we lost yesterday, but the manner we lost was was different. Especially a seventeen-year-old kid. I mean, look, he might be very good, but equally, you know, suddenly going and getting thrown into the the seaside leagues as they call them. It's not. <laughs> it's not an easy. Uh, it's not an easy thing for a kid to do, especially in a team that's not necessarily been doing that great. I, I wouldn't, I mean, I think for me, a lot of this last nine games is can we get a team together who, you know, if we've got a lot of them under contract for next year, makes you not dread getting relegated, not dread going into League Two and have that summer of going, oh, it's going to be shit, we might get relegated, where you can actually go into summer going, yeah, we could definitely win this league next year. Yeah. Which, which you're seeing slowly building. So for me, it would be a no, um, but obviously if we do, we do. I, th- I think I'd go with that. I think a lot of the, the past little while, you've sort of seen us, you know, like forming into, you know, it's like we've sort of been forming into the team that we're seeing now. You, you see a bit of that, that structure and that shape and that kind of identity and how we're trying to play. I think you've you've sort of seen it come together a little bit, and I think at this stage in the season, and given that you know, you know we're not there yet in terms of you think you're confident we can go on a, a run of wins, but I think we're all relatively happy with the way we're playing. I think there's just a bit of we've just got to go with this, and we've got to we've got to keep where we've got to now and kind of hope or trust, whatever way you want to look at it, that that we can have a right good go of getting out of it. And yeah, I, like like Doug was saying, I'm, I'm looking at the, thinking about it the same way, looking at the kind of team and going, right, you know, even if we do go down, 
could we kind of form the basis of a a really good League Two team and maybe just kind of trim the squad a wee bit and have one or two additions? And I think over the past few weeks, you think, yeah, we would. Um, I'd be fairly confident going in to a League Two season with a you know the, the core of what we've got right now. So I think just just stick with it and see how we go on. If we can add somebody, obviously every team wants this, but if you can add somebody that is going to convert some of these chances, yeah. that we've got to do. But there's not many of those guys floating around that teams are wanting to be like, oh yeah, this is a proven goal scorer, let's loan him out for the rest of the, the season. Well, so a guy that's at race. hard to come there's by. A guy, I've heard there's a guy at race. Oh. They might, might be looking to Possibly. offload. We should maybe oh. get on the phone to them. That would be good. <laughs> Uh, no, um, I think just going on to the fixtures a wee bit. I think we talked about last week that the last four games are pretty smelly, and you know, I think what you forget at that stage of the season is some of these teams will be done, as in you know maybe they've already secured third or mm. four, you know, and you've got nothing to play for. Teams that like a if it was a peer head and maybe someone Allo or someone in six who've got nothing to play for at all. So it's not. It's never as bad as it as it looks. I always think at that stage. So. I I don't know though, because like looking at the results yesterday, like Peterhead beat Dumbarton four three, Airdrie uh, dropped points against Clyde, so Clyde picked something up there in a one 0 draw. Montrose beat Queens Park one 0 Aloha picked something up uh, against Cove in a two 0 draw. When you look at the table, yeah, you you could say, oh, they've maybe got nothing to to play for if Aloha as an example or Clyde went on a run they could easily move up to fourth if we're talking about oh we could take 15 points from these games if Aloha did that or Clyde did that then they could move up into the top four yeah I mean Aloha teams like Aloha and Clyde are not completely out of it but I mean if you look at our fixtures you know we no, we play Montrose which is a wee bit of a kind of a weird fixture it's a bit of a you know just sitting there. You got those three games against teams directly above us, and that's that's make or break. That's do or yeah. die those three weeks. And then after that, you know, you've got that run of games which because we've played pretty much all the teams at around the bottom look much more difficult. But you are looking at it going, Okay, last last day of the season, home to Cove. If they've won the league at that point, you yeah. know, that, that becomes you know, second last game of the season away to peer head. If they're safe at that point, might not have anything to play for. You know that some of those games might, you know, if we can get to that point and still be in it, I think you sometimes get weirder results at the end of the season. Where if if you've got a team who are fighting for their lives and you've got a team who are, you know, halfway up to their holidays, it becomes yeah. a little bit different. Two what, of the last three games need... at home as well could be massive. What what we absolutely need to do, and we need to do it in the next four weeks, is we need to win back to back games. Mm. Tough to win back-to-back games. When did we last do that? uh, 1973. (laughs) If, if, and and this is it, we we never tend to do overly well at Montrose, you know, or against Montrose. If you could somehow win next week, because Montrose aren't in good form, really. You go into that, I mean, you're starting to, in fact, here we go. It's a Doug Perry revelation if we beat Montrose next week, we'll stay up. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, I th- it's a weird game because I think everyone, everyone outside of the team, you'll be looking at that one going, oh, of course, I mean, we're probably going to lose that one. And I think the way I'm talking about it, I'm like, well, aye, we'll, we'll lose that Montrose game and then we'll get on to these three games. But there's a, there's a little bit of a sort of, you know, pressure off there. I think, you know, you, you Crawford could go in and be like, look, ev- everyone thinks you're going to lose this game. You've got a terrible record against Montrose, blah, blah, blah. But, you can go in there with a bit of pressure off. Go and go and try and beat them. And if if you don't, if you, even if you take a bit of a a gubbin, it's like you know nobody's nobody's going to be that disappointed with you. And then you're immediately into those three games. Forget about it. It's almost a bit of a free hit for us, as silly as that sounds. When you're in our position, um, it definitely sure. But you know, if, if we could go and beat Montrose, yeah, I think the the confidence that would give them going into the Dumbarton game would be massive. I mean, I mean, the, the the whole miracle thing of us staying up is the fact that we've won four games, you know, up till now. And we, do, and we do this every week where we talk, oh, well, maybe if we do this, then we, we get, you know, someone says what I've just said and we go, oh, yeah, we are pretty shy. Um, so, but there's, a, there's just a different feeling the last two or three weeks. We, we need to win more games in the final nine than we have in the first 27. Correct. Put it that yeah. way, it's a bit... Um... Well, I'm I'm going to shock you guys here. What year do you think we last won back-to-back games? I feel it may be 20... Oh, no. It's going to be like 2019. No. 2020. 2020. 2020. Last year. We beat Peter Head twice. Once in the league, once in the Challenge Cup. <sighs> oh, no, no, no. That. Challenge Absolutely Cup. Oh, you want league games? Yeah. All right, let me get the league games. It's the away record that fucks that up. Yeah, it's the away record for the past two years that it fucks that up because we went away so irregularly that we never get a chance to build up results. Okay, league games was... (laughs) There was a gap between the games, but we beat 4-4-2-0 on the 19th of December 2020. And then we beat Falkirk 2-1 uh, on the 2nd of January, 2021. And then, oh wow, we went on a huge run. Then we beat Trenen in the Cup 5-1. And then we beat Clyde 3-1. Oh wow. Four, four game four winning streak. Oh Jesus. God, I you for- thought, we would, thought we would pay for that right now, eh? Ooh. You, you forget that the disappointment of last season was like, you know, missing out on the top five on that last game. Top Somehow, four. Uh, but did we not oh. we missed out on to, the chance oh, to get in the top five? Oh, sorry, then, yeah, for the split. But, no, you're right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost difficult to believe that not that long ago, that's what we were going for. Now we're just like, oh, you know, if we could put two wins together, what a difference that would make. Uh, it's like I'd, I'd posted on my Facebook, like two years ago, I was back in Scotland visiting my, my folks and I was at an East Fife game. I went to a Glen Rothes Juniors game. We're not called it anymore. And you think what's happened in two years, just in the world. And it's like, fucking hell. What well, I mean, the biggest news there are, what are Glen Rothes Juniors now called? Uh, Glen Rothes FC, because they're, no, they're in the Scottish Leagues. Ah, yeah. Some of the junior teams have dropped the junior and some have, I think some have kept it, but... How are they getting on this year? are going to win their division this year. So if we were to get relegated, they would just be two levels down from us. 
That's depressing. Yeah. Uh, how did uh, Vancouver Whitecaps start their season, Michael? Not very well. They got beat 4-0. And I was thinking, great, another season of a shit team to talk about in two podcasts. <laughs> I, 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 that was a loaded question as I did see the result and thought, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't rain, but it pours. Yeah, they were terrible yesterday. With our first goal, people questioning, could the goalkeeper have got down better across the goal to get it? It's like oh. deja vu. <laughs> Nate, Nate, you sounded far too genuinely interested in North American football there. For it yeah, to be I, a, I, I an know. An honest I thought, question. I thought Ryan, Ryan Gold's people have got in touch with Doug. <laughs> yeah. Please, please be more supportive to the MLS or we'll sue your ass. If you want a good opinion of MLS, though, as to what the league can be, try and watch the highlights of Portland Timbers' New England Revolution from yesterday because that is one of the best games of football you will see this week. It was absolutely fantastic. I th- Do you know what it is, Michael? I'm, going to, I'm not going to lie. It's the names. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you've just spoken, I've listened, and all I heard was like, <laughs> oh, the Rowdies against the Buccaneers. <laughs> It's no, like, the Buccaneers are American football and the Rowdies are in USL Championship. I know. I don't, I don't, you, you know. I don't know what's worse. Those names are things like Real Salt Lake. And you're like, oh. Yes. But yeah. if you look at the new Inter teams... Inter-Miami. Yeah, yeah, apart from Inter-Miami, I was going to say, if you look at the new teams, you've got Charlotte FC, so they've just gone with that, Austin FC. Charlotte, their hashtag is CLT, because that's like that. So everyone's calling them the clit. Like, oh, and I've done all my jokes of oh, when Vancouver go there, they're going to struggle to find the clit, and <laughs> does it exist? Well, I can tell you, it doesn't. If um, if if you also want, this is more of like if you want a a bit of a laugh slash cringe. Well, yeah, let's um, let's end the show on some fun. It's from women's football. USA were playing New Zealand, and there's some poor girl on the New Zealand team who scored a hat-trick of own goals in the first half. And it was it was 3-0 to the US. So it was like first goal, her own goal. Second goal, her own goal. Third goal, her own goal. It was 3-0 at halftime and she got subbed off. And like you watch it and it is funny, but also it's horrible. Oh, I have to. That, that almost reminds me of, remember Jonathan Woodgate's debut for Real Madrid? when he scored an own goal and then got sent sent off <laughs> for two bookings. And, and yes. Because I think when he signed, most of the Real fans were probably like, I've no idea who this guy is. And obviously he came on with the Alice band. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. And it was a shocker. Bless him. Oh. I, I was reading an article in The Guardian about, because they've had a, a big tournament down in England for women's football because England's hosting the next Euros. And some of the crowds, it was like 129 273 England obviously drew like 8,000 11,000 but the games between like Canada and Germany and Spain and Germany it was just like a couple of hundred mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, also just a quick note from yesterday's game was um, if you had cold hands at half time you would have been relieved from that as Falkirk paraded what must have been about a thousand children yeah. Right. All their like underage teams were in the stand next to us. Like, and it, just before half time, they all started converging down the stairs, you know, tops off and had their strips on. We're like, this is going to be some massive game of football. 
but they just paraded them round for like a lap of honour, you know, round of applause. But there was there must have been, but it was one of those ones where the first lot of kids come past and you're like, ah, come on, we'll you know we'll give them a wee clap, yeah. and then you're like, well, we're started now. I mean, this is, and it must have been fully ten minutes. I know this as well, like especially like with the, the, well, some of the first ones that came around to the boys. It's like some of them were like, you know, clapping back or maybe waving up. It's like, oh, these five fans are clapping us. Give them a wee clap back. Then, you know, maybe every fourth or fifth little kid was like, you know, sticking the finger up and... (laughs) (laughs) Little bastards. uh, One other note of uh, comedy, and I I will mention the the baby boys at the back with the drum were excellent again. Yeah. Made a really, really good noise. They were great. But they, they came up with a song of, Something like the baby boys are here for a bender. Lee Griffiths is a sex offender. Oh, that's oh. So brilliant! Uh, and obviously, that's not technically true. So, uh, no lawsuit coming that way. But it was, I laughed a lot at that. I must say. Oh yeah, I was uh, having a good a good few laughs at some of the stuff they were doing. I must say that it's always an interesting one. But maybe the listeners can put their fav- favorite chants from football. Um, yeah. So many good. My my favourite was always uh, when Bobby Zamora played for Spurs. The song was, "If you're sat in Rose End and the ball hits your head, it's Zamora," which is <laughs> that good. Hold on a second. I'm just going to get my dicks out. Yeah. <laughs> it's books of football chants. Ah. They're excellent. I think we're in one of these, actually. I'm pretty sure I sent stuff in. The the Cowden family. Yeah, here we go. 267, Dicks Out 2. It's a load of East Fife songs. There's another book as well of Scottish football chants called Two Andy Gorham's. We're in that as well. One of the the ones I always quite liked was um, we were away at our broth. It was during the Derek Brown times and all the protesting about him and I think like, I wasn't in the middle of it but from what I see somebody got a hold of his phone number during the game and phoned him up he was obviously in the stand and ev- everyone else was in across on the terrace and, and then I think when he answered that a whole group of folks started singing we just called to say we hate you I was there oh, that was really good <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. then they went, we went into the stand oh yeah <laughs> the, the other one from our broth which was fantastic was when we were winning the league by miles and we started the chant of one, two, three and then it kept going, kept going kept, 32 points clear of you yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was brilliant oh, absolutely good happy that days that one you are inferior, we are superior. Because I think what happened there as well is like like that start that chant got started when it was like nil nil, and then like two minutes after that chant finished, we scored, and it started totally. again, but adding on the three points. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I must say, for me, it's always been I love a lassie. Yeah, I think that's my favourite East Fife song. Oh, I've got to say, Doug, just before we go, followed got got need on Facebook. Saw your rehearsal song that you put up, was playing it last night, and my wife said, oh, they're really good. Well, maybe she has hearing issues. No, that's that's very kind. I actually had had several drinks by then, so uh, 
the the other footage we had was not so good. Ah, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I was I was impressed. Thank you. Needs to be a bit more punky, but sure. Yeah. Anyway, before we go, any final thoughts? Anything that you've learned this week? I've learned nothing. No, it's like silence. No. Oh, I don't know. We don't no. learn anything. No, don't like learning. Um, it's like I... Homer Simpson. If you learn something, pushes something else out. I've I've learned that I've got a problem with my car. It's making a hell of a noise. Needs to go to the garage tomorrow. I've also oh. learned that I still know nothing about cars, and therefore it will cost me a lot of money. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, it should be taught in schools. There you go. Yeah, actually, basic yeah. basic the mechanics. Basics. Yep. Because mm-hmm. yep. I I know very little apart from potentially changing a tire. Anyway, uh, my final thought will be a prediction for Saturday. Um, my prediction is will be that I'll be quite pissed because I'm going. A few of us are going on the train for oh, a few beers yes. beforehand, um, and I'm gonna go all out and say it's going to be Montrose one East Fife two. Wow! Yeah, we never wow. got any predictions. Come on, Gordon, give us your prediction. Oh, like Doug's enthusiasm is infecting me. I can feel it. Yeah, now. I've want, heard I he's want, infectious. Uh, I I'm want to predict a win now as well. Oh uh, no! Oh, um, I'll I'll go. I'll I'll stay middle of the road. I'll I'll go one one. I was going to go with one one, so I, yeah, I'll stick with one one. Hey, that's fine. We're, oh, we're going to get at least a point. What what has happened to us? We have lost the plot. <laughs> yeah, not well, one of us has predicted a Montrose win on their patch after we've won four games all season. Mental. I, I'm just back in from having a, an oat milk cappuccino, so I'm a little bit buzzing. Sure. What I learned, actually, because along with my oat milk cappuccino, I got a, a lemon curd cruffin. Do you know what a cruffin is? No. No, I'm guessing it's some form of muffin. It's a croissant muffin. Ooh. Ooh, well, that sounds good. Mm. Yeah. Filled with some lemon curd, lots of sugar on it. Quite messy to eat. So what I learned was... Dogs like to lick cruffin fingers. Oh dear! I bet they do, yeah. Do, do they also <laughs> like to lick cruffin-covered other parts, Michael? No, but peanut butter does the trick there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you'll be pleased to know, listeners, that Michael's going to post a picture on our Twitter of a cruffin, just so we all know what we're looking for, aren't you, oh, Michael? Well, I'll have to go and buy another one. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. And I don't want more cruffin fingers. No. The dog just around made a beeline a- for me and just started licking me. Around the anus is very good for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, oh, my camera's gone out of focus as that happened as well, or my eyes have with a sugar rush from so much cruffin and butter. We will be back soon talking about this historic win in Montrose, what Doug can remember from it. Whether Doug will fall over and down the terracing or down the stand. That Are you going in fancy dress? Go in fancy dress. Yeah, wasn't planning on it. I'll, I'll maybe go, unless a fancy dress outfit is a bald fat guy with a beard, mm. then I will go as that. Fancy dress here means something totally different. I introduced fancy dress to the last Whitecaps games of the season and folk thought we were talking about like dressing up in a suit and a tie and like, Fancy attire, but it's caught on. I think that was that against the Buccaneers. <laughs> no, because that is American football. 
Wisconsin fancy dressers. We play New York City FC next week. What's wrong with that name? Well, that's because it's a franchise. Yeah. Oh, Ronnie Dale just coming to town. I'll I'll try and get him to do a bumper for the show. Perfect. I am Ronnie Dale, your failed Celtic manager. Remember me, guys? <laughs> yeah, I predicted, we do bold predictions at the start of last season. My prediction was he would get fired mid-season, Frank Lampard would come back to New York and take over, and they won the MLS Cup. So I know fuck all about <laughs> football, so, so there we go. But we will be back soon. Till then, stay safe, take care, be safe, Ukraine, our thoughts are with you, and mourn the fife! Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 I was just a boy and he had have to wait Now there's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory days ago might return once